ladies, gentlemen, everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 23 of the Diamond Duo podcast. My name is Tom Bauer, joined by my co-host and co-producer Tony Puglisi as we explore the wide world of baseball, everything that's happened in the past week, what will happen this week, and plenty more. And you know what? It's ironic this is episode 23 because this episode is brought to you by two people who endorse the number 23 which is the total number of perfect games thrown in MLB history that could have gone up to 24 if a certain Los Angeles manager didn't pull his starting pitcher out of the game after throwing seven perfect innings. More on that later. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I realized this was episode 23, Tony, and then a light bulb clicked in my head of how I'm going to do the intro for this week. I I thought that was pretty clever in my books. Yeah, to everyone at home, right before Tom did the intro, he said to himself, like, oh, episode 23, that's perfect. And I wanted to ask, like, oh, what is, like, huh, what's, like, what does that mean? What's that about? I knew the answer I would have got is, you'll see, you'll see, just a second. (laughs) <laughs> so that actually did line up perfectly, mother of God. So uh, trust me, folks, we have the exact same opinions that you do about this. We'll get to this later, but mother of God, this we have like five deep drives to left, but not an actual deep drive to left segment coming up. So this ought to be a fun episode. A lot of stuff happened this week. A lot of good stuff. A lot of uh, funky stuff, as Tom has alluded to. Just a lot of weird baseball stories to kind of fill in that April narrative that we're probably all going to forget by the time August rolls around, and then we're going to be reminded of it probably sometime in September. Yeah, right? It's that, like, by the time the All-Star break hits, this will seem one of those memories like, wait, that was this year? I thought that was last year. Yeah, Alec Bohm said I f***ing hate this place in April and then got a standing (laughs) ovation the next day? Wow, Philly fans, keep it classy. Honestly, that was pretty hilarious. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, that <laughs> Philly fan who did, yeah, that Philly fan who did throw the uh, Mets fans' phone <laughs> on the field. You're a you're a dipshit <laughs> for that, by the way. That that was a uh, unsportsmanlike conduct. Fifteen yards. I hope you know that's where I was going with this. The next day that happened, where every, <laughs> the entire internet says, "You know what, Philly? Good job. We make fun of you, then you do that," and they immediately remind us why they are the uh, class act of sports fan bases. Let's just say that. I cringe at the thought of if that was a Giants-Eagles game, someone probably would have ended up in the hospital. But <laughs> enough about <laughs> on Philly fans, because we're we're New York fans. So we yeah, can't speak that much. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not bottom of the barrel like Philly, but we're near there. We're, we're like, we're close. Yeah, we're not classy, but we're not trashy either. But we're dangerously close to the latter. In case you couldn't tell, by the way, we uh, <clears throat> cheer our players. Bronx cheer, if you will. But trust me, we will get to the team that plays in the Bronx later. But for the time being, two quick disclaimers, as always, tonight... Uh, tonight, if I could speak properly, we are recording on Sunday, April the 17th. Happy Easter, everybody, even Woo! though this is going up days after Easter. Or Happy Passover or Ramadan or what What, what was, did I get the three holidays right? No, you did. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, there's actually four holidays that go around this time, this time of year. There's Easter for Christians, there is Passover for Judaism, uh, Ramadan for Islam, and there is hopeless optimism for Mets fans. <laughs> The time of the year where the Mets are good, and the only time when the Mets are good. <laughs> I did not see you going there, Jesus. They're the be- one of the best teams in baseball. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Am I wrong, though? Is this team still going to be this good in June? I mean, we'll see, but... <laughs> I don't know. I We're going to shit on the Yankees mercilessly later on. I need to shit on the Mets before we praise them, even though they have done a lot deserving of praise. But again, we'll get there. That's disclaimer number one. Anything that happens after we record, obviously, is not going to be covered because it hasn't happened yet. So, again, Easter Sunday, April the 17th. Disclaimer number two. Go follow us on social media at Diamond Duo Pod on Twitter, the Diamond Duo Podcast on Twitter. Folks, we posted our first meme this week, and naturally, wait, wait, it wait. Was... we have two, we have two Twitter accounts. Jesus, Tony. Wait, what I say? Did I say the Diamond Duo Podcast on Twitter? Yes, you did. The, the Diamond Duo Podcast. We are on Instagram. <laughs> Don't listen to Tony, but we did post a meme, and uh, thank you for the engagement. That actually, that actually got a, a decent bit of a. Uh views within the uh first like 30 minutes so good job tony on uh, creating that what can i say i'm a meme lord i've literally made them for work before it's hilarious but that's a story for another day not baseball memes just memes in general <laughs> um but yeah go follow us we're a good follow we post audiograms like i said memes and show updates if you love baseball and you want to get a uh, you want to get that fix on social media give us a follow you will not regret it uh, so without further ado, why don't we jump right into today's content? Now, longtime listeners of the podcast will remember a segment called Around the Horn, where Tom and I took turns going over all 30 teams in MLB. Tom would take three, I believe, and then I would take three, and we would just go back and forth. We are revising this segment because... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're, it went we're, way too long. Yeah, we're canning that. It got canceled. That's back in t- 2021. Rest in <laughs> peace. Rest in peace around the horn. A moment of silence, please. Please uh, play Taps Editor, Tom. <laughs> and thank you. Okay, so yeah, we're, we're, we're canceling that version of Around the Horn. No. Instead, we're going to be doing a revised edition that will hopefully not take me like two hours to prep and uh 30 minutes to record uh, i am not joking it took me two hours to prep that the first time uh we did that because i wanted to be intricate with our pilot episode uh instead we're going to be talking about who's not who's not and we're going to be going over teams and also players who fit that bill whether the hot or not and if you've been following baseball over the past week you'll probably have a good guess where some teams and players will lie on these uh, categories. But enough being said, Tony, I haven't said this in at least a couple of months. Let's go around the horn. All right, let's get right underway. So we're going to start off with teams, uh, the hot teams in particular. We've got three written down, although there's obviously more teams we could be going over. I don't know if we made clear. There's the big change. We're not going over all 30 teams, just we're handpicking the good and the bad. And one of the good surprise of surprises is the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, Have you heard of them? I don't know. I hear they have a pretty good team with a manager who everybody just loves unconditionally, especially Dodgers fans. Uh, But nevertheless, the Dodgers are off to the start we pretty much all expected them to. They, I believe, were the first team to uh, seven wins. I almost said 11 wins. But regardless, their record right now is seven and two. Uh, They're actually on a six-game winning streak. I don't really think I need to go into too much more depth. The Dodgers have been steamrolling baseball pretty much since the season began. I mean, there was a weird blip in time where the Rockies were in first place, but we all knew that wasn't going to last. So, Dodgers are good. In other news, the sky is blue. Yeah, the sky is Dodger blue, but um, very clever. 
yeah, now we're going to go from uh, sky is blue to uh, the area is foggy because we're going to be talking about a foggy city next, and that's San Francisco because we're going to be talking about the, I was going to say the New York Giants. No, 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 not for a couple of months. Or actually, in uh, like two weeks' time when the Giants probably f*** up the NFL draft. But the San Francisco Giants are extremely off to a good start. A lot of people were kind of wishy-washy on how they were going to start the year, and it turns out they're doing pretty damn well. I believe they have the same record as the Dodgers. They do at 7-2 and two at the time I am looking at this as we are recording. They're also on a five-game winning streak as well as they head into a series against the Mets. But they steamrolled the Padres, and then they pretty much made light work of the Guardians as well. By the way, in these uh, five games, I'm talking about this five-game winning streak, they've only given up more than two runs, or actually, excuse me, they've given up one run three of these games and two runs in five, two. One, they've given up one run in three <laughs> of these games and two runs in two of these games. There you go. I got it right, finally. What? One, one, two, run, f***. <laughs> so I had to unmute my mic for that one. One of these days, I'm just going to say all the seven dirty words by George Carlin. Hope the FCC doesn't shut us down somehow. <laughs> That'll uh, be our finale. <laughs> That'll be the ultimate grand finale. The Giants are just playing good baseball. They're shutting out their opponents, and we'll see if they can shut out the next hot team. That's on the list this week. Hey, that's an awesome segue that I didn't think of because that next opponent is our last team in the hot segment. I should have talked to them before, but yet let's be honest, they're doing a lot worthy of praise. That's the New York Mets, folks. Uh, so far to start the year, they are living up to that hype that Mets fans gave them and more. They are the third and so far as of now, only team with seven wins or wait, third and only team. That doesn't make sense. They're the third and final team to have seven wins. Again, that's of Sunday the 17th, the other being the aforementioned Dodgers and Giants. Uh, the Mets had granted a pretty easy matchup this weekend in the Arizona Diamondbacks, which they did manage to lose one of them of, but they still looked pretty good against the Phillies on the whole, even though there was that soul-crushing loss on uh, last Monday where they blew... I think they allowed five runs in the eighth inning. That side of the Mets, even though we made fun of them for it last episode, that's not been the Mets team that's here to stay. Like, pr pretty much after we recorded that episode, the Mets have gone absolutely crazy. They won three straight, lost the one to the Diamondbacks, and then shut them out tonight, or today rather. So the Mets are in a really good position right now, and when you look to the cause of the success, you can literally look anywhere up and down this roster. I'm high on the Mets right now. They are playing fantastic baseball, but... Like I alluded to in the beginning of this episode, we'll see if that can actually hold water a few months down the line, because there's no greater enemy to the New York Mets than the second half, so we'll see. Alright, so that was Who's Hot, now it's time for Who's Not. And you know what, there's one specific team that we can all just laugh and point at, and we've been doing it ever since the show has existed, and that's the Cincinnati Reds. Now there is some good news. Joey Votto is on TikTok. And he is absolutely hilarious. Not just TikTok, <laughs> on all social media platforms, I should point out. Absolutely hilarious. And Hunter Green has made his big league debut and is looking very good. I think he just posted an MLB record for a starting pitcher with like over 30, 100 mile per hour uh, pitches in a single game. I think that's a record. Um, well, the bad news is the Reds are... What is their record? They are 2-8 and eight at this time of the recording. And currently... 
on a six-game losing streak in which four of those games they've lost by four or more runs. So, yeah, it's not uh, very hard to look at where it's gone bad. If you look at their team ERA, it's 509, not very good. And their team batting average isn't much better. That is 185. When Brandon Drury is tied for the team lead in home runs, and I'm not exaggerating that, it's Brandon Drury tied for the <laughs> lead in home runs on the Reds, you know where things are going wrong. They have nothing clicking for them. That's kind of expected, but they do have some decent assets that should be clicking and are not. And they are 0-5 now ever since their president made himself out to be a head. But more on that in a little bit. All right, so moving on to a team whose president did not make himself look like a dickhead, and considering who it is, that's kind of surprising. Tom, I'm going to steal your joke from the prep. Can I get a yee-naw for the Texas Rangers? <laughs> uh, that just didn't come off right, but I don't care. Here we go. Can I get a yee-naw? <laughs> there you go you gotta put some zing in it oh no you're right see i was gonna say that came off terrible my delivery because so of the texas rangers they're two and seven they've lost three in a row mind you a lot of those losses i believe they just had a four game stretch against the angels and they lost three of them that's embarrassing oh they also got swept by they got swept by the rockies at home this wasn't even in coors field this is supposed to be your home field advantage where the rockies bats are worse and you couldn't even outslug them I, let's be real here. We all knew how the Texas Rangers were going to win this year, and that's literally outrunning your opponent, or outslugging them, rather. The one game they won against LA, 10-5. The other ones they lost, 9-6, 7-2, Yeah, the Rangers pitching is uh, suspect, to say the least. They don't even have a pitcher qualified. On I'm looking on MLB's app right now. They don't have pitchers qualified to be in any ratio stat. No ERA, no whip is listed. That's how you know how shitty this is. When you see a team using pitcher after pitcher after pitcher, that's not a good sign. But Texas needs to hit the ball a little harder and throw the ball a little more precisely if you want to start seeing some more results. Because right now, nothing seems to be clicking. I'm going to get through this next one very quickly because it's the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, you might be saying, Tom, Tony, this team... We knew they were going to suck. Why are they here? It's not because of their pitching. They have a team ERA of 363. For the Diamondbacks, that's pretty damn good. But I'm looking on baseball reference right now. I'm going to give you listeners a chance to guess how many hitters are hitting above 200 for their batting average on the Arizona Diamondbacks right now. I'll, I will pause for two seconds so you can think this over. Okay, I hope that's enough time for you to think. I paused for two seconds because there's only two players hitting above 200. One of them is Seth Beer hitting 400. The other player is Cattell Marte, who's hitting exactly 200. That's how poorly the Arizona Diamondbacks are hitting. Here's another question. How many hits do the Arizona Diamondback catchers have on the season? Both of them. There's two on the roster. I will give you zero seconds to think about it because they have zero hits combined. None of their catchers have a single base hit, and I didn't even know OPS Plus could go this low. Carson Kelly has an OPS Plus of negative 84 to start the season. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, they're so laughably bad. <laughs> I didn't know oh, we could go God. that far into the negatives. <laughs> I didn't even know it went into the negatives until now, but... uh. 
The league average, Whoa. by the way, everybody, is 100. So um, he's light years away from even getting into league average. That's enough about the Diamondbacks, <laughs> Oh, my God. If that's not all you need to know to see the dire straits the Diamondbacks are in, then I don't know what is. Jesus Christ. All right. So let's leapfrog from the teams that are hot or not to the individual players who are hot or not. And this is pretty ironic because I just said we're not going to talk about teams anymore. The first player who we have written down as hot is an entire team's offense. And if you told me this team would have one of the hottest hitting teams in the league a couple weeks ago, I would tell you you were insane. And folks, that is the Cleveland Guardians. Yes, I said it right. I didn't say Indians this time. We gushed about Stephen Kwan last week, and unfortunately, I hate to report, his impeccable streak of swing and miss, avoiding swing and miss prowess, has now come to a tragic end. Editor Tom, please play taps again. Thank you. Um... Even with his streak coming to an end, and even with a mild slump Stephen Kwan finds himself in, he was benched today, actually, against uh, the White Sox. Uh, no, not the White Sox, excuse me, the Giants. He's still rocking a 1079 OPS. Jose Ramirez is arguably the hottest hitter on planet Earth right now. All-around hitter, that is, with a 1496 OPS with a couple nice plays in the field, and I believe he's nabbed some bags already. But the real diamond in the rough here, folks, Owen Miller. A guy I guarantee you haven't heard of going into the year because I didn't even hear of him going into this year. He's got a 1666 OPS and a 586 on base percentage. Yeah, I said Stephen Kwan was hitting on rookie mode. Well, Owen Miller has someone else playing on rookie mode for him. That's how good he's been. Even though the Guardians did just, they kind of got their asses handed to him by the Giants. So their pitching is coming down to earth a little bit, but it's still interesting to note. Another guy is Miles Straw, who's been one of the best leadoff hitters in baseball recently. Those four, in particular, are the big reason the Guardians even have any wins so far, because their pitching has been good, but not great so far. And it's good to see them actually hitting, because that's literally been the team's question mark ever since they lost the World Series. So, good on you, Cleveland. You changed your name, and you somehow got hitting with it. All right, next we're actually going to talk about individual players, and we're going to move pretty quickly through these uh, because we're uh, just talking about individual players now. We don't have to uh, crap on teams, at least not for, well, probably a couple of minutes. Uh, So we're going to first start off with the shining star of the Chicago Cubs, 500 start, Seiya Suzuki. Uh, Dude is literally the only shining star of that team right now, an OPS plus of 304. Yes, 304, light years away from Carson Kelly's negative 84. Uh, so good job for Seiya Suzuki for adapting to the big leagues quickly. He's got three home runs, 10 RBIs, exactly seven walks to seven strikeouts. Very respectable. A 409 batting average, a OBP of 533, and an OPS of 1442. A great way to start the year for the newcomer to the league and my pick for the National League Rookie of the Year. Yeah, dude was my dark horse, which I'm going to give myself like a half pat on the back for that, but we'll <laughs> we'll see. Uh, next guy up, my, actually, that's ironic, my pick for Rookie of the Year, and he's looking really good to start off his big league tenure. It's someone Tom mentioned earlier, Hunter Green. Now, his numbers don't really jump off at you to put in who's hot and who's not, but considering the kid's skill set, I say kid, he's probably my age, and his history, having gone through and recovered from Tommy John, he's had two pretty respectable big league starts, one against the Braves, another against the Dodgers. 
So yeah, it's not like he did okay against some middling teams. He held his own against two of the best teams in the National League. And like Tom said, he did recently break a record. And Tom, you surmised it perfectly. It was number of pitches above 100 miles an hour in an outing, and he actually toppled Jacob deGrom to achieve that, so congrats to Hunter Green. And his stuff has looked really good. He's consistently touching 100, as I just mentioned. His breaking stuff moves, he's getting six and seven strikeouts in his in his first two starts, and he's going to be a really fun guy to watch, especially on a Reds team that is bereft of talent as of now. All right, so we didn't necessarily plan this out to talk about um, our awards predictions three in a row. Uh, This was uh, Tony that made the rundown, so uh, this was not meant to happen. But my Dark Horse Cy Young selection at the beginning of the year for the American League was Justin Verlander, and he's the next player in our hot category. Leads the league with a 69, a 0.69 ERA. Do I even need to say the word nice? I'm childish, I'm sorry. He has 15 strikeouts, three walks to his name, a one and one record, and he looks like he's pitching like an ace again. I was seeing him with his nasty 12-6 curveball that made plenty of highlights on Pitching Ninja. So, a great job by uh, Justin Verlander for getting back on the right track after Tommy John surgery last season. Hey, you know what? This is kind of the dark horse train right here, because if you remember, folks, my dark horse pick for NL MVP was my favorite player in baseball. I think that's kind of canon at this point. Uh, Braves first baseman Matt Olson. And to say Olson is off to a hot start in Atlanta is kind of an understatement. In his first 10 games, uh, he is off to one of the best starts in Braves history with a 412 batting average, 556 on base, 676 slugging. That's good for a 240 weighted runs created plus, which it's basically just OPS plus, but a little more precise. It's the same measurement, 100 is league average. He has walked 11 times, struck out only 8, has hit 2 home runs, both solo shots to drive in himself for 2 ribbies, and he's gotten 14 hits, again in 10 games. When people fretted the Braves losing Freddie Freeman, they wondered, oh god, who's even going to play first base for him next year? Matt Olson was the perfect replacement for Freddie Freeman. I argue he could be better than Freddie once his time in Atlanta is done, but I've guessed about Matt Olson on this show plenty. I'm going to cut it right here. Just wanted to throw some numbers at you because Matt Olson's start in Atlanta has been one for the ages. My uh, World Series pick hopefully will be one for the ages too. Remember when I said the Cardinals are going to win the World Series? They very well might with this MVP candidate of a player returning to MVP form, Nolan Arenado. He leads the league in not one, not two, not three, not four, but five batting categories he leads the league in rbis with 12 batting average with a 423 slugging a 1038 ops 1538 and an ops plus of 326 how about that for some numbers he also has four home runs to his name and a 500 obp how about omg for nolan arenado's start to the season hopefully the cardinals will win the world series because i really want my prediction to come true and i really need arenado uh, to a back of Papa Pujols in the th- in the uh, two other Musketeers, we need to go to the promised land. So yeah, that's all the hot players we've got. And now for the not, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of the world, being a Yankees fan is hard. Th- this sounds like first world problems, considering the the fruit of fortune that have befallen this franchise in its history. But being a Yankees fan in 2022 sucks. To start things off. 
I know we said we were just going to focus on specific players, but the entire Yankees offense gets the prestigious honor of falling in the not segment. Great pitching bailing them out and not being able to hit into scoring position with very, very weird roster construction. And I say weird lightly. It's frankly terrible. The team as a whole has the 17th best team OPS in baseball, which for a team that spends millions upon millions of its dollars on its bats is kind of pathetic. They're being outdone by the Miami Marlins people. And if you look up and down this roster, you know, LeMahieu's hitting pretty well when he actually plays. Aaron Judge is, you know, he's serviceable. He always gets off to a slow start, but for what it's worth, it's good. Joey Gallo, Josh Donaldson, and Glaber Torres make my eyes hurt just looking at their numbers. The way Aaron Boone builds his lineups hurts my mind day in and day out. I, this could be a giant rant that I could go off onto, but we don't have all day. I, trust me, Tom and I are probably just going to do a big Yankees hate episode if this trend keeps going, because the way things are going right now, the Yankees do not look like a competitive team, let alone a playoff team. They need a hit with runners in scoring position, and they need to actually hit for contact and not just sell out for the long ball, which is exactly what they've been doing, and it's what caused them to lose a series to the Orioles. But I'm going to cut myself off here before I go on forever about how this team infuriates me so yankees are bad at hitting this shouldn't be a revelation to anyone who follows the sport wait did you hear a sound is it a bird it's a plane no it's jeff passin there's a guy who hits his name randy rosarena every time he takes a swing it is a thing it's cosa buena running around the bases he's as fast as a hyena oh rosarena hi that's right it, we're talking about randy rosarena hi oh yeah well uh Unfortunately, I have some bad news about Randy, and he's off to a terrible start this season. He's got no home runs and one RBI to his name. He's got more strikeouts than hits. He's got 10 strikeouts to his six hits, and he's also got zero walks to accompany that. Good job. Batting average and OBP are the same, which uh, I don't think I've ever seen, really, at least not much. A 182 even across the board. He's also got an OPS plus of 28, so that's not good. Not Carson Kelly bad. Uh, but uh, very bad for a player with much higher aspirations. Luckily, the Tampa Bay Rays are doing all right, though. They'll, they'll, they'll get better. A Rosarena will get better. He's just got to get the offense going. Speaking of outfielders, people were high on going into this year. Can we talk about Joe Adele? This guy had probably one of the worst opening series to a season I've ever seen at least for a guy with his skill set, because we all know Joe Adele's got the tools necessary to succeed in baseball. Forget succeed in baseball, the kid could be a five-tool player at his absolute apex, but he was striking out way too much, he could not lay off breaking pitches, and he was making horrible decisions in the outfield. However, recently Adele has brought it back a little bit. Two home runs, one against the Rangers and another against the Marlins. Did bring his OPS plus back up, he's actually now sitting at 95, which is pretty respectable. That's just around league average. So hopefully this trend continues because he started out the year terrible for the Angels. And they're relying on him to be that big impact bat having released Justin Upton. So hopefully this is a sign of things to come because for a former top prospect up there with the likes of Tatis Jr. and Guerrero Jr., Adele should be much, much better than he is right now. And here's hoping that's a sign of things to come. Speaking of players who should be much, much better than they are right now, how about Marcus Semien? Fun fact, I tried to pick him up in fantasy this week uh, because somebody 
I don't know if they unknowingly dropped him, uh, but they did. I massively underbid uh, uh, myself into this ringer. Tony won the bid, by the way, to acquire Marcus Semyon from his team with 151 of his 500 free agency dollars he could spend. Shout out to our friend Jesse for listening to this. You literally lost to Tony by one dollar. He bet 151. <laughs> you put 150. Good job, Jesse. Uh <laughs> All that aside, um, it's not uh, rainbows and butterflies for Marcus Semyon's start to the season. There's a reason he may have been dropped, and that's because he's starting the year 5 for 34 at the plate. Uh, he does have two stolen bases. That doesn't really matter. He's got 147 batting average, 216 OBP, OPS plus of 26. Worse than Randy Arozarena, even though I'm pretty sure... No, he doesn't have more hits than him. Scratch that. But, that being said... A guy who just signed a seven-year, $175 million deal and just finished third in the MVP voting last year. He should be doing much better than he is right now. All right, folks. Jump in my time machine, all right? Let's all go back to the ancient year of 2019. Do you remember a rookie named Aristides Aquino? The guy who the Reds called up right after the All-Star break absolutely destroyed the baseball in the month of August, and then disappeared off the earth to never be heard from again. Yet there's a reason you don't hear about Aristides Aquino anymore, because the past two years he was always kind of stalwarted in that red system. You know, they had Castellanos and Winker in the outfield and Nick Senzel. He kind of just didn't get playing time, especially with no DH in the NL. But now, with an outfield wide open and a National League DH, he finally has playing time, and he sucks. A negative 3 OPS plus says so much more than I could possibly say with words, but I will give you a stat with my own words. Um, the guy's a strikeout machine. He has struck out, I believe the figure was 17 times in his first 25 at-bats or something to that extent. Uh, an 087 batting average, an on-pace percentage of 125. Uh, yeah, now, now I'm starting to see why this guy never got ample playing time, and that's because he literally saved all of his baseballing abilities for one month pre-COVID. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone listening, that will do it for Around the Horn, the first edition of 2022. Maybe it'll be the only edition. We don't know. We haven't really decided that far in the future yet. But uh, that being said, we are going to bring back another segment because we can and we uh, need content. So we are going to bring back the trivia segments to the show. Now, hopefully it won't take Tom 10 minutes to try and figure out one answer to a question. And Tony, I think he's only gotten like at most five minutes. I've kind of been the uh, harbinger of uh, timing really with these segments. So hopefully that doesn't happen again because Tony is asking the first question as per usual. Tony, I'm interested to see what type of stat that I've probably seen on Twitter already. Well, let's see, because this actually happened a while ago this week. Uh, a milestone that one of my personal favorite players in baseball, like, uh, like the 1A to Matt Olson's 1B, Juan Soto, recently hit his 100th home run. Now, Tom, what I want to ask you is, who is the youngest player to ever hit his 100th home run? Is it not Juan Soto? I don't know, is it? Well, I'm asking you because I could say final answer, and then you could give me a no, and then I could say God damn it or mother and move on and try and figure out another answer. So is it Juan Soto? I don't know. I kind of want to screw with you a little bit. Is it once like, like, is it a trick question? Is it actually Juan Soto or is it someone else? Well, being that, uh, I've gotten trick questions before. I'm assuming this is a trick question. 
and I'm going to say it's Juan Soto. Final answer? Yeah, sure. No. Yeah, of course it's not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, the youngest player to hit 100 home runs. That's that's the uh, question? Correct. It's not. I'll, I'll give you this. Juan Soto is the second youngest to do it. I doubt that helps you, but I will give you hints, because this is definitely someone you know. Like, that's your first hint. It's not some weird dead baller. Okay, good. Oh, I, I thought you were going to give me the hints. There was this awkward silence. It's, did you not hear me? I said it's not some weird dead baller. It's like, you know this person. Well, you said hints with an S, so I thought you were going to be dropping a couple of hints at me, like right off the bat. You're right. Here's a second hint. He used He hit those home runs with a baseball bat. <laughs> You're a f***ing asshole. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you wanted another hint. That, that's a hint for you. Uh, you I never said it would be uh... a good one. Is it Alex Rodriguez? That's a good guess, but it's not. I don't think it's Barry Bonds. I know, like, like he got all of his home runs later in his career. You're already shaking your head no. Not Bonds. Youngest to 100. I'm going to only take, like, one more guess so that way it doesn't take up, like, 10 minutes of editing time. I can give you one more hint. I would love one more hint. This player is still playing today, and A-Rod was not that far of a guess. Like, I believe this individual hit it around when A-Rod was still at his peak. He's still playing today, and he hit it while A-Rod was still at his peak. Would it be Papa Pujols? That's a good guess, but it's also not him. Son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> I believe he was in the top five, too. I don't know. I mean, that that would make sense, because dude was jacking home runs left and right in uh, St. Louis in the early portion of his career. Uh... Did he accomplish this feat when A-Rod was in his prime, or was he just playing when he was in his prime? I believe both. This player definitely dates back to when A-Rod was still winning MVPs. Like, this isn't A-Rod in, like, 2013 or 2015 when he was already, you know, over the hill. He's gonna retire soon. Yeah, that's what I figured. Think 2000s. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to—I'm trying to think of who's still playing today. That's who played in the 2000s. For some reason, I'm thinking of Justin Upton, but I don't think that's correct because he was so streaky. It's Jared Saltalamacchia. It's not Jared Saltalamacchia, but I am going to throw in the white flag (laughs) so that way we can get on with the episode because we do have some (laughs) big stories that we got to go over. So the answer, this player was not in his prime when he hit the 100th home run, but A-Rod was. The individual, I mean, I guess you could say he's reached 100 home runs quickly. It's Miguel Cabrera. Ah... I forgot. Maybe, wasn't he called up when he was like 18 or 19, now that I think about it? It could have been, because he hit his 100th home. I know he didn't start off just incredible with the Marlins. He was good, don't get me wrong. But he hit the home run when he was 23 years old and 127 days old. Ironically enough, he only beat Soto by about a month. Soto is 23 and 169 days. And the other three, in case you were wondering, Harper was three, Acuna was four, and Pujols, you were close, he was five. Yeah, that's what I figured. I wasn't thinking Miggy for some reason. Like, players of the 2000s are still playing today. I didn't go to Detroit, so. Oops, my bad. Sorry, Jack Halstead, if you're listening. Uh, I know I'm kind of uh, <laughs> dissing your boy right here, Miggy. But, uh, oh well. I didn't say I'd be good at these trivia segments. I just said we would do them in less than 10 minutes, and we did do that. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the biggest stories of the week. And again, these are some weird stories that we're going to be talking about now, and we're going to look back on them and be like, what the hell actually happened? Now, this one I actually do have notes for, and this one I alluded to in the intro of the show, and um, I don't know if this is in uh, chronological order, but I don't really care. We're going to start off with the biggest story that I think is of the week, at least, and that was Dave Roberts pulling Clayton Kershaw after seven perfect 
innings, and he only threw 80 pitches. Now, keep in mind, this isn't prime Kershaw. This is aged like fine wine Kershaw. This is like the eight, the <laughs> tail end, possibly, of his career. We might not see him do this again. And he gets pulled after seven innings. Again, only 80 pitches thrown. Ugh. I think the collective baseball world, like, gasped and, like, they were cursing out David Roberts on tw- Dave Roberts on Twitter that night. I know that for a fact, Tony. I mean, I have some quotes on it I need to find, and there's actually some interesting, uh, there's an interesting, uh, tweet I want to say from Super 70s, uh, sports in a, uh, minute, but, um, yeah, so, yeah, Kershaw, he was pulled from the perfect game, and of course, Gary Sanchez, of all people, pretty much immediately broke it up shortly after he was pulled. Tony, your thoughts. So, I'll tell you a two-second story about this. I get notifications from the MLB app from every team. Every team, whether it's pitching changes, score changes, whatever, it blows it blows up my phone to heaven high, heaven on high, but I don't care. I like to know what's going on around baseball. So I get the notifications as breaking, you know, Kershaw perfect through seven. And I'm, I'm driving, so I can't, like, turn on the game. So I immediately go, oh my god, no way, because my mind flashes back. If you remember, folks, back in 2014, Kershaw threw a no-hitter against the Rockies that was only a no-hitter, because Hanley Ramirez botched a grounder and allowed a runner to reach base. Had it not been for that, he would have thrown a perfect game. I thought, oh my god, this is perfect. One of our the greatest pitchers of all time is getting that storybook ending so late in his career. And then two minutes later, I see Alex Vezia, like, whatever ERA, comes in for Clayton Kershaw, seven innings pitched. And I thought, like, remember, I'm driving, so I looked down at this at a red light. I honestly was about to turn around, go home, and, like, punch a pillow. (laughs) Like, you've got to be kidding. There was no way Dave Roberts just did that. And shout out our friend Nicolette, who we're in a group chat with, going all caps, F-bombs aplenty on Dave Roberts, our resident (laughs) Dodgers fan, the second he got pulled. And for good reason. He had 13 strikeouts, obviously didn't walk anybody, and he was pitching great. He had 80 pitches, like Tom said. And Kershaw said he agreed with the decision, but knowing how competitive he is, I feel like this this might just be a conspiracy theory. I feel like he was just trying to cover Roberts' ass. Like, this is the Kershaw who, like, he would totally pull a Mike Mussino, like, yelling at his manager to pull, to go back into the dugout. Like, granted, that might be more a Max Scherzer thing to do, but I don't know, man. I feel like Kershaw was 50-50. Like, I gotta make my manager look good, but I really wanted to finish that game. And... Just quoting Fergie Jenkins on Twitter, Tom, I know you've got some stuff pulled up, but this was probably my favorite. Fergie Jenkins, Hall of Fame pitcher for the Cubs, said something akin to, I don't care if my arm has fallen out of its socket and I have to roll the ball to home plate, I'm not coming out of this f***ing game. <laughs> I did see that on Twitter, that made me laugh. Uh, <laughs> Fergie Jenkins, good, uh, good quote there. So, there are two things I wanted to say. One of them is, like, really random out there and I nearly made this my trivia question but I know I sent this to Tony so I didn't and I'll start with that again from Super 70 Sports he said on the day Clayton Kershaw was pulled from a perfect game after 80 pitches I'd like to remind you this MFR got struck by lightning was revived and finished the goddamn game and uh Super 70 Sports <laughs> is referring to Indians pitcher at the time Indians pitcher from 1919 to 1921 Ray Caldwell <laughs> who was literally struck by lightning in the ninth inning of an Indi- of his Indians debut on August 24th of 1919. He was revived from the game. 
and he pitched a no-hitter at New York 17 days later. <laughs> and then he went on to win a world championship the next year. Dude had to be revived, and he finished a game. And Clayton Kershaw got pulled because Dave Roberts said, no, F you, Clayton, you're not a legend. You're not getting your storybook ending. Uh, yeah, Clayton Kershaw did say it was the right decision. He said, blame it on the lockout. Blame it on my not picking a ball. Up for three months during the offseason. Now, the other quote I wanted to pull was from David Cohn. I believe they, he was in the middle of doing a Yankees game when he said this. And this is paraphrased, but it's pretty much what he said. When you're coming back, because he was hurt like Kershaw at one point, when you're coming back, it's probably best for this to happen. After the seventh inning, the manager must make a move, meaning he either has to keep him in the game and ride him out until something happens, or you have to pull him. And if you let them go into the eighth, you have to ride it out, no matter the pitch count, if you're throwing a perfect game. That's, again, pretty much what Coney said. Again, what I was alluding to, Coney had a situation happen to him after, like he said, aneurysm surgery. He had a no-no going after seven innings in his first start back, and he was pulled from the game, and he went on to admit that was the right decision because, again, he hadn't thrown for a while. So you got to get back into the swing of things, and also it's April, so you want to preserve pitch count. So I do understand this from a strategic standpoint, but just a damn shame we didn't get perfect game number 24. It's a damn shame as well, because one more tweet I'm going to paraphrase. I apologize, I don't remember who tweeted it, and frankly, we don't have the time for me to comb through it and look for it again. It was someone basically saying, we would remember Kershaw's perfect game way longer than we would remember the Dodgers World Series. Think of it in terms of the other greatest pitcher in Dodgers history, Sandy Koufax. We all remember he threw a perfect game. But if, you, if I told you, Tom, right now, how many World Series did the Dodgers win in the 50s? C can you name them? Uh, did they win three? I I think, like, I, I'm not even sure. Like, we, we don't know the precise <laughs> like, years see, they won. See, I don't won. even know the right answer. Like, like, no, I don't even know the right answer. That's the point. We, we're going to remember, <laughs> oh, yeah, the Dodgers won some World Series, but you remember when a perfect game is thrown. Perfect games happen so infrequently that robbing baseball history of one is very egregious. And as you're probably aware, baseball Twitter, baseball society, you could say, exploded after this happened. Many many against Dave Roberts, who ironically enough has done this before. He pulled Rich Hill from a start when he was throwing a perfect game back in like 2013, 14, sometime then. So he's done this before and it's just tragic, especially for a guy like Kershaw who, Tom, I think you said it best earlier, the guy just deserves it. He deserves that storybook ending. Yeah, yes he does. Uh, Editor Tom, one more time. Taps RIP to Clayton Kershaw's perfect game. Okay, that's enough taps. You've already played it two other times during the show. Okay, <laughs> now <laughs> now let's move on to another situation that kind of irked baseball Twitter, but it ended up working out for them. And this is a weird one. Joe Madden, do you remember when he intentionally walked Corey Seager with the bases loaded this past week? Because I sure do. I remember I was working when I saw that, and I'm like, Joe Madden just walked him with the bases loaded. He walked him with the bases loaded. What are the Angels doing? He walked him with the bases loaded. That was only the third time in MLB history somebody was intentionally walked with the bases loaded. And it happens in April against the Texas Rangers. A very, very bad Texas Rangers team. And this is a borderline, like, 500, possibly, Los Angeles Angels team. 
the disappointment on Mike Trout's face when he was trying to comprehend <laughs> what was going on looked like a disappointed dad after, like, I don't know, like, his son or his daughter, like, completely butchered something after showing it to them, like, ten times in a row. That that was painful to see. It did work out for the Angels. They did win the game, but we were just collectively shaking our heads like, what the hell is Joe Madden doing? Considering he has a history of making some very questionable decisions. I love that you bought up the Trout reaction. Like, folks, if you haven't seen it, please go look it up. It's literally a perfect illustration of Trout looking at first with, like, this confused face, then second, then third. Like, oh, one, two, three. Why are we walking him? <laughs> Which, granted, the hitter was Corey Seager, so... Probably the Rangers' best hitter right now, but even then, it's a very questionable move. But I guess, Tom, like you said, you can't question it too much. They won. So it's very peculiar. And Joe Madden has been a peculiar manager for a very long time. From his antics with the Rays to pitching a roll this Chapman's arm off in the 2016 playoffs. I've heard the word overrated thrown around at Madden ad infinitum this past week as a result of that. I was kind of always under the impression he was overrated because he won the Cubs a World Series. At the same time, it's weird to say that this strategy worked, but it was definitely that it's a suicide play. It's an all or, all or nothing, like, we're going to face, I believe the next hitter was Mitch Garver, and, and, and I think it worked. He didn't drive in anyone else. Very strange, very weird move from Joe Madden. He's a very hands-on kind of manager, in case you couldn't tell. I'm just, like, confused this is happening in April. This is like a September strategy. Like, you're borderline in the playoffs, you're playing like some juggernaut. I I'm just surprised it honestly happened this early in the season. Like, I understand you gotta do what you gotta do to win a ball game, but it just left me confused. Like, what the hell is actually going on? If they ended up losing that game, I'm pretty sure the presser would have been all over Joe Madden's ass that night, and Joe Madden could have potentially have been fired from the Angels. Probably not, because it's so early in the season, but... Oh, yeah, if the Angels lost that game and they had a terrible year, that would have just been the uh, tipping point, I think, and how bad it would go. So, yeah, that drove people crazy. Now let's talk about somebody who went crazy, and this is the Cincinnati Reds president, Phil Castellini. So, this was a uh, convoluted thing. This, des this deserves a deep drive to left. And remember when I said uh, the Reds president is a dickhead earlier in the show? Well, I truly mean it. Here is pretty much a summary of what he said on upset Reds fans just about the organization's strategy, what they've been up to, and their terrible start to the season. This is what uh, Castellini had to say. Where are you going to go? Let's start there. Sell the team to who? What would you do with this team to have it be more profitable? It would be to pick it up and move it somewhere else. So be careful what you ask for. Are you kidding me? That Are You Kidding Me actually was from the tweet by uh, David Wysong. That was not in the quotes. But that is what I'm going to say. Are you kidding me? This is like a Kevin Mather situation. And I went on and on about Kevin Mather over the past in previous episodes of the Diamond Duo podcast. This is not quite as insulting. But if you're a fan of the Cincinnati Reds, I mean, how do you revolt against Castellini? He quickly reverted, by the way on these comments because he realized he a didn't want to lose his job and b didn't want to go off and piss off more people where are you going to go sell the team to who what would you do with this team to have it be more profitable i would make the team a winning contender 
and actually make it so that way my roster can win when it's supposed to win and not butcher a whole month of September when you had the easiest schedule in the MLB. That's what I would have done, Phil. But you and your team blew it. That's on you. You know what the sad thing about this whole thing is, aside from literally all of it? The Reds didn't even start the season that bad. Their first series was one they split with the Braves. Like, they took 2-3 or three when their pitching was still rounding into form. I Granted, they didn't look fantastic through the whole thing, but they looked okay. Then their president goes and says that, makes himself the most hated man in Cincinnati, and that's saying so much. And then they go on to lose six straight. Yes, I said six straight games. Two to Cleveland and four to the Dodgers. Granted, the Dodgers you can understand, but you gotta at least compete against Cleveland, even though they started off the year hot. I'm not even gonna deep dive this collapse, it's everything fell apart. Tyler Malley got picked apart by the Dodgers today, Luis Castillo still hurt, the bats can't hit, Jonathan India's hurt, and the fact that this comment came right before this April collapse, I think is the most fitting thing. What's the better bookend to something like this than being stymied by Andrew Heaney? Today, they got burned by Andrew Heaney. They scored one run, and I don't even think it was off of him. No, they scored it in the eighth. Oh, my God. But to Castellini, like, f*** you, man. Like, I'm sorry. I, I don't like to call people out on this show, but how the f*** are you going to talk about your fans like that? Or rather, talk to your fans like that. You're not talking about them behind their, behind their back. You're talking to them saying, huh, what do you want? You want me to sell the team? Because that's that's how I can make it the most, that's how I can make the most profit. I don't give half a rat's ass about what you want. If I want profit, I give the team to someone else, whether that's in Cincinnati or elsewhere. So, horrible, horrible look for the Reds. I, if they weren't on everything is on fire going into the year, throwback to the how after are they scale. Yeah, we need like another tier for the Reds because after this and with how poor the, how poorly their team's been performing, there's a chance they finish with the worst record in baseball. I am honestly convinced of that by now. If not the absolute worst, then bottom three, bottom five, easily. I honestly hope that happens now that you say that. Not the Orioles or the Diamondbacks. I hope it's the Reds. But no, instead, here's what he's going to do. The team is going to collapse. Fans are still going to appreciate the players who are there. He's going to trade them at the deadline, or he's going to look to trade them at the deadline. He's been looking to trade Luis Castillo for I don't know how many years now, but the Reds still hold on to him. They're going to trade them away, they're going to have a bunch of prospects, and they're going to call up a bunch of scrubs that end up not really doing anything in the big leagues, and then they're going to look like utter crap in August and September, and the fans are going to have nothing to root for, and hopefully they remember what Phil says by the end of the year. Shame on you, Phil. Shame on you. I wish I was more fired up and less tired than I am right now, because I feel like I could go on another 10 minutes just lambasting Mr. Castellani. Or Castellini. I don't really know if I said his last name right, but I don't really care. He doesn't have my respect, really. And I'm happy that they haven't won a game since those comments. All right. Well, Castellini made us angry. And now we're going to talk about something that made the Padres very angry in their own right, which I would, I, I'm going to bring up one point in a minute. But this happened this week, and essentially, I believe it was Mauricio Dubon, Tony. If I said his name correctly, if I didn't, I apologize. So the Giants were up by nine runs at one point during one of their games against the San Diego Padres, and Dubon bunted for a base hit. 
Padres, well, they were pissy that bunts exist, as Tony wrote down so eloquently on the rundown. That made me laugh the first time I read that. Thank you, Tony. Why are the Padres complaining about this when, one, they're division rivals, two, they're just rivals in general? You want to demise your rival. It doesn't matter. Like, teams have won 30-3, to and the other team isn't bitching and moaning that they're still hitting the baseball. We had this debate, like, less than two years ago with the same exact team because this same exact team got pissy that their team hit a grand slam and barely pimped it when they were up by 10 runs. That's right, the Padres were winning at one point, and their former manager, Jace Tingler, was mad that they were hitting too well, and now they're mad that the Giants were hitting too well. It doesn't make any sense with the Padres getting pissy at this, like... Bob Melvin is, like, really, like, the Padres are, like, kind of a dumpster fire right now with how bad last year was, and this year, I mean, still too early to tell, but if Bob Melvin was pissed off about that, then he's already pissed me off three times this year, and I really wanted him to thrive in the Padres. Go listen to the last episode, by the way, if you don't know what those other two instances were, but he's got three strikes on me now. That is a crying shame, because... I don't know why this is coming from a team that was kind of the the head of the anti-unwritten rules movement back in 2020 when Fernando swung 3-0, which granted Jace Tingler did throw his own player on the, under the bus for that, so I don't know, maybe we're giving the Padres too much credit here, but considering, Tom, you put it greatly, the Padres, in many baseball fans' minds, have already gotten three strikes. I'm not going to spoil what those other two are because, you know, like Tom said, go watch the other episode, or listen to the other episode, rather. But this is just getting petty over nothing. It, it really is. You were going to lose the game anyway. It, it's so stupid to get upset over. And what made it even funnier to me, this was the first game that Giants coach Alyssa Nakin, or Nakin, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing your name, this was the first game she coached on the field, becoming the first woman to coach a big league ball club on the field. And now no one remembers the game for that. Everyone remembers it as the game where Bob Melvin threw a fit about something as stupid as a bunt. I'm so it's not even a home run you're getting upset over or a bat flip. It's a bunt. Dubon didn't even like put on a big celebration when he reached first base. He bunted, he got to first, that's it. The end. It's just a really stupid story. I will give credit to Gabe Kapler though, because he very much backed Dubon. He backed his guys. He didn't say anything like, oh yeah, no, he probably shouldn't have done that. He pretty much said again i'm paraphrasing i teach my guys to get on base any means necessary we don't care about the score we don't care if you're up nine runs we're going to try and play competitively if you're not okay with that then tough See, that's what jace tingler should have said two years ago but it's it took till gabe kapler a guy who i ridiculed vehemently when he was in philadelphia to do that like jace tingler uh, jace tingler Gabe Kapler probably has the best redemption arc of any manager in baseball right now. I don't know anyone who does not like Gabe Kapler, and his reaction to this situation, I think, cemented it for anyone who was still a naysayer. I wholeheartedly agree. I forgot Kapler even said that, and I will admit, too, I was against Gabe Kapler in the Phillies. I knew he would be fired, and I was pretty much saying, heh, see ya. I didn't think he'd get the job with the Giants, and when he did, I said he wasn't going to do a very good job with the Giants. For other reasons, I didn't think they would honestly win as an organization, but look what happened last year. And rightfully so, again, the best redemption arc in all of baseball for managers. And Bob Melvin might be having the biggest downfall right now, so it's kind of like the best of both worlds going on in the National League West. You're just getting pissy over nothing. If this were Little League, that's one thing, 
And when you're young, typically you don't do that. You don't want to steal on your opponent because you're already throttling them. But this is Major League Baseball. Grow up. If you don't like that they're bunting against you, then how about one, you play up for the bunt. Be ready for any situation. Tell your guys to be ready when you're down nine runs to be ready for any situation to happen. I for There was a number two, but I forgot what the number two was. I'm very tired. So uh, <laughs> we're going <laughs> to... <laughs> We're going to move on from this unless you have any other thoughts on this. No, I think that's just about it. Bad look for the Padres, good look for Gabe Kapler, and that's just about it. Moving on to pretty much our last segment of this little discussion here. It's kind of a mini discussion that Jackie Robinson Day happened. I don't think there were too many huge, huge stories that we're forgetting. We, but Oh, I've, I've got uh, one. Um, oh, what's that? Uh, Tony, you pointed this out in the other in last episode i believe but um you were correct when you did say every single team would wear jackie robinson's dodger blue on their back i thought that was a very nice gesture for the 75th anniversary of jackie robinson day there are a lot of great tributes throughout the league i believe marcus stroman has a tattoo of jackie robinson he showed off on that day so shout out marcus stroman for that tattoo i believe his son or like somebody related jackie robinson like gave the dodgers a pep talk that day before their game which was really nice so, yeah, there were a lot of touching moments on Jackie Robinson Day. So that was very nice. That uh, Dodger blew on the back of everybody's uniforms. It was a little off-putting to see, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, it, it was a really nice gesture. That that was something that I got to commend uh, Major League Baseball for. Now on to the uh, comedy portion of Jackie Robinson Day. <laughs> so uh, if y'all don't remember, Tom and I took bets on numerous things to start the season, you know, how many games until the Mets blow a lead, which of the which of these three players hits a home run first, how many no-hitters are we going to get? And we did one that is kind of on brand with our little show here. And that's how many games until Nick Castellanos hits an untimely drive to left. Tom and I were both in agreement that it was going to be on Jackie Robinson day. And it was going to be in the middle of the broadcast, the Phillies were playing the Marlins and they were going to say something bad, or they were going to say something, you know, again, untimely, and Castellanos was going to go deep. Well, I can't say that something untimely was said. Unfortunately, I can't, I couldn't watch the game. However, what I can say was that our dear friend, Nicholas Castellanos, counted for the only Phillies run that night. <laughs> They almost got blanked by the Marlins. The final score was 7-1, to one, and Castellanos goes deep at, like, the stroke of midnight in the eighth inning. I got the notification on my phone that Castellanos had a home run, and I just could not contain my laughter. I kid you not, folks, I was on the phone with my girlfriend, and I saw the notification, I started laughing, she thought I was insane. Like, what is so funny? What What are you even laughing at? I'm like, I'll explain later. I need to text Tom. She's like, why is Tom going to be laughing like this too? I said, it's not important. I'll tell you in a minute. I, I told her she still didn't get it. But it, it, it made my night. I swear, it was incredibly timed. It, even though I can't say whether or not it was untimely, I'm giving us both credit for that because he went yard on Jackie Robinson Day. And the fact that that happened is hysterical in and of itself. I cannot confirm that was untimely either. But again, we did predict that just out of jokingly. We're like, they're going to memorialize Jackie <laughs> Robinson or they're going to like put up a graphic of him. And then Castellanos is just go, go. And then he's going to drive one deep into left field. I believe it was into left field as well, the home run. 
if I'm not mistaken, Tony. Um, Ooh, you know what? I'm going to confirm this. It's April 15th that I believe it happened. So uh, if you can look up that performance from April 15th, that would be really, really good. So that way we can see if Here it is. he did hit a deep drive to left. All right, let's see the pitch. And oh, no, it was actually an opposite field home run. Oh, God damn it. It was damn opposite. It. See, it wasn't un- untimely, so he did an oppo. He did the opposite effect. So he hit it to right. <laughs> he hit a shallow drive to right. Uh, actually, it, I don't it know how. Was. No, it was shallow. It barely got over the wall. <laughs> so yeah, that's the opposite effect. Whenever <laughs> we're going to have going on with Nick Castellanos, is it a shallow drive to right or a deep drive to left? And in this case, it ended up being a shallow drive to right. Why does that work so perfectly? <laughs> that should be a new segment. We're gonna have to come up with that one. I wanted to do a the sh- Nick. I wanted to do the Nick Castellanos doom <laughs> counter. That still might be happening in the future, but oh, yeah, babe, we've got we've got ideas at least going forward, folks. We can make some light out of uh, Nick Castellanos always hitting a home run. It always puts a smile on our face when uh, Nick goes deep. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, in. Indeed. I love the idea of a shallow drive to right. We just kind of think of some content to go with it. Jackie Robinson Day aside, it was fun. While we're here, why don't we check in on a couple of our other predictions? Because if you remember, a good chunk of them got fulfilled actually last week. Go listen to that episode if you want to hear how we panned out with those. But there were actually two more that got... Or excuse me, one more. We already talked about Jackie Robinson. There was one more bet that was actually fulfilled. We did, in fact, have our first managerial ejection of the year, and it came from someone who Tom and I would not have anticipated. It is the normally mild-mannered Charlie Montoyo of the Toronto Blue Jays. Granted, he did get agitated for the reason I figured a manager would get agitated, and that's with a strike zone. Thank you for that, Jeff Nelson, home plate umpire of the Blue Jays-A's game. I believe it was this past Saturday that it happened, which, funny story, Tom, I don't know if you saw this. Someone was going to the game today in Toronto, and they wanted to bring a sign that, do you know the thing they post on Twitter? It's like the umpire grading system to oh determine my. how good. <laughs> I love that Twitter account. Absolutely, I know what you're talking about. In case it's you don't um, know. It's umpire just... Scorecards, I believe, is the name of the account. That's it. It judges a home plate umpire based on his strike zone, how accurate he was, if he favored a specific team or not, stuff like that. It's really cool. And a Blue Jays fan wanted to bring the scorecard, basically a giant poster board version of the night before, to the game. And what what pisses me off is they didn't <laughs> let him do it. <laughs> Come on now. You gotta have some fun. I understand why they didn't let him bring it in. But come on, son, that's funny. They did let a fan bring in that Wordle-inspired sign into an Astros game where they had Astro, (laughs) and then they had uh, Cheat as the Wordle, the Wordle word, and they had Astro above it, so uh, that that was hilarious. That wins sign of the year automatically in April. Oh, easily. Um, Easily. But but back onto this prediction, Tony, I was wrong when I said four games it would take for managerial ejection. You said eight. This happened in game nine of the Blue Jays season, so you were off by one game. Quite frankly, I'm surprised it took that long to even have a managerial ejection even occur. Yeah, honestly, me too. I'm still surprised it was Charlie Montoyo, but folks, if you see the highlights, or I suppose lowlights from that game, you understand why he got pissed. Not only was he 
despicably inaccurate. He was clearly favoring the A's. I think the top comment on that thread, the umpire scorecard, was Ump was definitely an A's fan. It was kind of hilarious, the calls that they were getting. Yeah, um, they, pro- they probably paid off that umpire. They spent all their budget on Jeff Nelson, uh, making sure they win that one game instead of spending money on actual <laughs> players in the offseason. That's quite possible. If they even gave Jeff Nelson $1, they still would have spent more money than anybody <laughs> in the offseason. Uh, I'm going to keep bringing that up through the season. It's sad yeah. but true. But good for Montoyo sticking up for his guys. Uh, yeah, Montoyo rightfully uh, got ejected, though. He was rightfully pissed off about that. All right, so that's our big sto- biggest stories segment of the show. Now we've got to get on to my trivia question for Tony. And I was struggling to find a specific stat that I thought I saw today for the show, but I could not find it, so I kind of had to improvise. Tony, I hope you're ready to be stumped, although... Eh, see if you're stumped you've been stumped before it's not going to be like a completely out of left field question like i've asked before where you have absolutely no idea and i have to hold your hand through it i I think you might be able to get this all right i'm curious first trivia question in a minute i think i'm gonna do well i hope not any rate uh nestor cortez he threw an immaculate inning today for the new york yankees in their defeat thank you yankees for not scoring any offensive support against the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles. Uh, also, by the way, the Baltimore Orioles tweet was legendary. I'm, I kind of laughed at that. So they <laughs> oh, won this. So they won the series uh, against the Yankees. And then this is their tweet with the uh, final score. Uh, let me find it. Unless they deleted it. I think I actually know what you're talking about. I have it on my screen right now. Oh, they did delete it. What the hell? Oh, what? They I thought deleted that was funny it. too. Well, uh, Tony, yeah, read that. I know which one. It's Orioles on Masson, and what it says is, a series L and no Lakers in the playoffs. Tough weekend to be a Yankees fan. Obviously, playing to the stereotype that all Yankees fans are also Lakers fans, although I can't be thrown into that, into that boat, because I don't give a shit about basketball. <laughs> that is funny. It, it is funny. I'm a Nets fan, by the way, so uh, that is completely unacceptable. I will not root for any more teams that have LeBron James on them. Why? Uh, just because I guess I'm that type of basketball hater. I don't have any ill will toward LeBron James, but it, I mean, it was kind of funny to see his team collapse. At any rate, this isn't a basketball show. This is a baseball show. Let me get on with the trivia question. So Nestor Cortez, he did throw an immaculate inning today. I believe it may have been the third in Yankees history. I could be wrong on that. But I'm not sure. The question I wanted to ask you, though, Tony, more or less has to do with his outing. So he went five innings, and he struck out 12 batters, I believe, in this outing. So I want you to name the other Yankees pitchers to strike out 12 or more in an outing of five innings or fewer. I thought you were going to say who was the last immaculate inning. I was so ready. Like, oh, I think that was Sale. Let's go. It may have been sale. I could have gone that route, but I I didn't want to go that route. Damn, the trivia segment would have been over like that. Now I actually yeah. got to think. How, why are you doing this? So five innings or fewer, but 12 strikeouts. Correct. You didn't give me a number of how many there were, right? I did not give you a number. So it could be one. It could be two. It could be zero. It could be 10. You got to tell It could be zero. Me. Oh, God. It could be, but I I like it's not. I'm not going to tell you that. I feel like you wouldn't give me this question if it was zero. <laughs> it's like if I gave you that question, it's like, surprise, it was actually Juan Soto who was the youngest player. All right, I'm thinking of some big strikeout guys because I, f- I feel like Randy Johnson didn't do it. 
I feel like he was too past his prime to do that. Yeah, you are correct. I'm going to say, I feel like, I want to say Clemens is one, but I feel like he would rather kill Joe Torre than get taken out before the fifth, before the sixth <laughs> inning. Hashtag Roid Rage. <laughs> Cole, I think, is the same way. You know, I'm going to say, I'm going to have to guess one of these Bulldogs at some point, or else it's going to be someone I just don't know. Or unless it's like Chin Ming Wong or someone, but I feel <laughs> something tells me it's not him. Well, Ching Ming Wong, I think, had less than 100 strikeouts in his near Cy Young season, so it's not him. I will give you that. <laughs> Thank you. No, I know it's not Yankees legend Chin Ming Wong. I'm gonna say, I know he's a bulldog. I feel like Musina did it. That is a good guess, but he did not do that feat. Damn. Okay. How about... I feel like I'm just going to be throwing Yankees pitchers at the wall for a little bit. Um. Ooh. I knew he was with the Yankees for a short time, but he was still good. How about A.J. Burnett? Mm, that is true. I do love me a pitcher that does break windows of trucks with uh, Marlin uh, mascots riding shotgun in them, or maybe driving them. It is not A.J. Burnett. He did not accomplish his feat as a Yankee. Like, riding shotgun? You thought the mascot was in the truck? I thought he was. They can't fit the head in there. He was in, like, he was in the back. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, oops, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> I'm sorry, just imagine them trying to shove Billy the Marlin's head in the truck. <laughs> That's oh, Jesus. <laughs> Burnett nails him with a baseball. That would have been funny. More funnier than it actually is. Oh my god, okay. C can I get a guess? Can I get one hint? Who's the oldest pitcher? Or not who. When was the oldest one? The oldest person to do this uh, is actually Nestor Cortez. I more meant like in terms of when it happened, like the oldest instance of this happening. Oh, that that's I cannot... actually interesting. Yeah, that I cannot reveal. Okay, so it's probably not CC. It's definitely not Clemens then. Okay, young pitchers on the Yankees. The Yankees don't have a ton of good young pitchers. I'll I'll, I'll give you like I'll give you like two more guesses. Two more guesses. Can I get a hint? I gave you hints. <laughs> I just gave you a hint. You said Cortez was the youngest one or oldest one. That yeah. barely helps me. I, all right. I feel, my stupid ass wants to guess like Davey Garcia, but I know that's wrong. Yeah, that is wrong. I'm just going to throw I out some guesses so we're not. I can't, I can't give you like too many hints for this. Otherwise, I would give it away. <laughs> so that, I, I apologize. That's fair. That's fair. I'm trying to think of pitchers who were great, like came up with the Yankees, were good for a year, and then just died or got traded. I'm going to say it was... Yankees legend, uh, I don't know. Screw it. I know this is wrong. CC Sabathia. It is wrong. Yeah. So to save more time, you are gonna hate me. <laughs> Who is this? Nestor Cortez it's... was actually the only one to do it. You... <laughs> That's why I said zero. I did give you the out easily. <laughs> He's the only one to do. The first Yankees pitcher to strike out 12 or more in an outing of five innings or fewer, according to ESPN stats and information. <laughs> okay, that makes me mad for two reasons. One, because f*** you. <laughs> I was second-guessing myself. I thought there was a pitcher in, like, the 2000s who was a rookie for, like, a year and then flamed out. For some reason, I wanted to say Carl Pavano, but I'm like, no, he was never a rookie with the Yankees. Plus, he also sucked with the Yankees, so it couldn't be him. And two, I'm more pissed at the Yankees because that was a once-in-a-lifetime performance and they didn't score a run off the Orioles? Are you kidding me? 
How many years the Yankees existed and Nestor Cortez does something for the first time and you can't even give the poor guy a win? That's depressing. <laughs> at least at least they didn't settle him with the loss. But, oh my god. You know what? GG's, you did say it was zero. I, now I know. I, I should have picked a question like that. If Juan Soto was the answer for the other one, that would have been hilarious, though. See, that's why I tried the reverse psychology at first, because I knew I'd be having to use reverse psychology later. So I wanted to see if we would be bullshitting each other in this episode. I apologize for that, but I'm an evil genius. We're both going to end up giving each other bull questions one time, and it's going to be hilarious. I hope you know. <laughs> I know. Listen, this is what happens when I couldn't find my stat that I was trying to find from Yes Network uh, earlier, but they didn't post it, so... uh I had to roll with this. So, yeah, I tricked Tony. Haha. <laughs> one point for Tom. Speaking of one point for Tom, let's move into the closer. Because I believe we teased this last week, but this is the week, I believe, that it officially begins where me and Tony have to square off in the Diamond Duo Fantasy Baseball League. <sighs> Tony, 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 Tony. <laughs> Now, I know you just yes. picked up that trash player, Marcus Semi, and you spent a quarter you spent a quarter of your total salary for the year on a guy with an OPS plus of twenty-eight. How do you I, I, feel you see, about that? Well, first I'd like to counter with I spent a quarter of my budget on the guy who just finished third in MVP voting. I know he's gonna regress, but Let's let's be real here. My current second baseman is Jonathan Scope because I kind of punted the position down the road. And granted, Scope's not bad, and he actually gave me a pretty nice team name. Uh, if you don't know, I don't think we ever said this on the show. My team is three sixty no scope, but it's spelt like Jonathan Scope. I'm very proud of that. <laughs> yeah, you will um, you will beat me in the name department. Mine is the uh, Gary Sanchez Revenge Tour because I unfortunately have the dishonorable honor of uh, having Gary Sanchez as my starting catcher. I'm waiting for Adley Rushman. He's in he's in uh, AAA uh, on theoretically in my team right now. I love that you named your team after Gary Sanchez. When you have Matt, you have Matt Olson. You have my boy. You actually have both my boys. I forgot you have Stephen Kwan too. Yeah, I know. I and picked him up. So and you have Soto. What the f is this? <laughs> and I have Luis Robert too. <laughs> okay, I have him in another league. Dude's a beast. Yeah, I know but... he's a beast. That's why I picked him in the second <laughs> round. <laughs> Well, I think I'm in a fair just fine, quite frankly, because I patted myself on the back earlier for Chris Bassett. I've got the legend, I've got the GOAT himself, Nolan Arenado, ranked number one in our league right now because he's just so goddamn good at baseball. Uh, and I have a guy that Yankee Stadium still boosts for some reason, George Springer. Like, I was there for, I was there for the game where Vladdy hit three home runs and they booed George Springer relentlessly, even though the team employs Marwin Gonzalez. Like, I'm all for on the Astros, but come on, Gonzalez is much more egregious, and Seager's, uh, Seager, Springer's actually a good player. Hey, speaking of which, I also have Corey Seager, so your ass is grass. I have the one good player on the Rangers. <laughs> oh, my ass is grass because uh, you have one good player on the Texas Rangers. Yee! Nah! I'll bring that back. Dude, I've, uh, listen, 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 listen. I've got another good player on the Texas Rangers, Adolis Garcia. Look at that on-base percentage right now. What the hell is his on-base percentage? Oh, oh. Okay, his on-base percentage is 296. It's not very good for 286. I thought it was a lot better yeah. than that. Yeah, you mean the on-base below 300? <laughs> the, 
he is doing okay for me in fantasy. I will say that. <laughs> Listen, my start, my bullpen though is going to out pitch your team. I have nine collective saves this past like week and a half alone, which I believe leads the league. I'm going to dominate you in the pitching department, and show so is Sean Manaya, Hunter Green, the fastball throwing machine. Max Fried is going to rebound. And my guys are going to rack up saves aplenty because I have Jordan Romano on my team. You see, I'm looking at your pitching staff right now, and all I see is one great big missed opportunity. I know I said this to you before, not on the podcast, but I'm going to say on the podcast, you employ Chris Flexen on your team. I know where you're going with this. (laughs) And you chose to not name your team Flexen on them hoes? Tell me that's not better than Gary Sanchez revenge tour. Gary Sanchez is not going on a revenge tour. He's on the twins that have historically hit their worst in their first 10 games. Look it up. They actually have the lowest number of hits in their first 10 games in team history. Listen, I didn't want to be completely inappropriate with my team name. I'm sorry, 360 no scope. I, I would have done that. But again, I'm not trying to be inappropriate. I'm trying to win ball games. And you know what, Tony? We said this about the end of the year. What if we made a wager right now about who wins and loses this week? Could we possibly improv a wager about if I win or if you win, then the loser has to do something on the next episode of the Diamond Duo podcast? Let's see. We'll see how creative we are at 10 o'clock at night. I'm I'm down for a little, you know, spot impromptu wager. Because I know I'm going to win anyway with my rotation spearheaded by Walker Bueller and Chris Bassett. You know, no big deal. Just two two okay pitchers. I'm trying to think of something that's not... My first thought, th- this I'm scared you're going to agree with. Whoever loses has to edit the whole episode rather than <laughs> no, just No, 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 no. I don't have enough time exactly. to do that. We are not doing that. <laughs> Absolutely not. We split these recordings in half if you didn't know that, If you, whoever's listening. I am not editing the entire podcast. Oh, so you're confident you're going to lose then? Okay, so we're on the same page. Uh, uh, okay, so. see, that's not what I was implying, but uh, I love that you think I'm going that way. If anything... Uh, hmm. Oh, you know, I should have named my team after Stephen Kwan. I could have named uh, my team the Kwan song uh, after Swan Song, because that's what Tony's going to be singing if he loses is his Swan Song. Or hit the Kwan, because... Oh my we're... god, that's even better. What the... I am terrible in the naming <laughs> department. <laughs> I kind of want to change my name to... I, I my friend, my I am name. a, I am a marketer. I'm supposed to think of this shit on the fly. <laughs> You're the one who did come up with the meme, so I will give you that. <laughs> uh. I get paid to make memes, folks. It's amazing. Let's see if we, whoever loses this week, I don't want to jump right to buying because I feel like that's the end of the year. Like if you lose, you have to buy Astros. If I lose, I have to buy Astros. Yeah, that that's an end of the year thing. Now this is something we have to do on the podcast. Like we're, right. we're still we're still struggling college students at heart, folks. We're not yes. rolling in money. What if? God, this is hard. <laughs> and it's dragging out the closer segment too. That's making it even worse. <laughs> the edit time is going to be longer because we can't think of <laughs> a wager. Hey, at least it'll make it easier to cut down. I'm tempted to say we have to, like, drop a good player on our team, but I feel like that's too much. No, that's too much. It has to be something the listeners can appreciate, Tony. Come on now. Ah, yes, of course. 
Whoever loses has to write a poem about the Astros. <laughs> that's, a, that's actually not bad. They have to write a poem about the subject of the winner's choice, and they have to state it on air. <laughs> Wait, that, that's probably the easiest one we've thought of so far. Like, I like the severity of having to edit an entire episode, but neither of us have a schedule <laughs> that caters to that. There's a reason we split these up, folks. <laughs> but no, for now, I think that's one we could run with. Like, just write... Wait, write a haiku or something. No, it has to be more than a haiku. That's three lines. It's It's got to be like a good piece of poetry. <laughs> something you'd uh, read in 10th grade English. Something you would, it's something, would overanalyze. It's something you would go to like some underground like poetry club and then you would say it in like <laughs> ASMR voice. And then like you're going to get snaps like from people in the crowd once you're done reading it. Tom, have you ever seen 22 Jump Street? I haven't seen 22 Jump Street. I'm actually picking this off from, I think, an extremely goofy movie. You need to see 22 Jump Street. For those listening, I don't want to spoil it for you because it's like the funniest scene in the movie. The slam poetry scene. If anything, Google that when we're done recording. It's so funny. All right, so one of us is going to have to recite slam poetry about the subject of the winner's choice on air next week. Or maybe we can make that a social media exclusive, possibly. And then you'll have Ooh. to follow us to see who has to do it. But we'll we'll work out the details of that next week. But I'm liking this slam poetry idea. I gotta get invested into what slam poetry is. But then again, I don't think I'm gonna need to do that. So I'm gonna do zero research on slam poetry. I do want to look up that scene from 22 Jump Street, though. It's worth it. And I, look I, up some topics while you're at it. You're going to need it next week. Yeah, I know. I'm going to have to tell you a topic. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just played an Uno reverse card on you, bitch. We'll see who's getting Uno reversed this time next week. We'll see how this turns out. I think we actually play each other again, considering how long the season's going to be. So Wait, can we look at the schedule? <laughs> because then we can, yes, uh, we can. piece these punishments out. Uh, I'm just going to scatter through. Oh, I found it. Week 15. Okay, so that's a while into the season. We have to play every other team before we start the schedule over again. So we're playing each other week two, week 15, and if we see each other in the playoffs, which that is going to be interesting. That would be, to quote the uh, kids on uh, Twitter these days, electric. See, if I was an asshole commissioner, I would rig the league so that happens as the final, (laughs) but I'm not an asshole commissioner. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I, I can't confirm he's not an asshole commissioner. I could take Juan Soto from your team and put him on my team. If you did that, the you powers would, I have. If you did that, I would use the powers I have to. Uh, I don't know. I'd probably make you recite more slam poetry. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if I have Juan Soto and Bryce Harper on my team, I think I win. So you would do the slam poetry. I'd still find a way to win. Don't worry about it. All right, it it it's ten thirty at night. We know the punishment of whoever loses. <laughs> This next matchup between me and Tony will have to recite slam poetry of the winner's subject choice. We'll be doing that over an episode, and you know what? Maybe we'll even do it on social media as well. But, as I think I said already, I don't even remember because I have such a short-term memory span at this rate. Um, I've been up since 4.15 in the morning, and it's 10.30 at night right now, so... uh, Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I had to go to work on uh, this morning, so uh, yeah, I've been up for a long time any rate, we know what's at stake for next week. I'm hyped because I know Tony's going to have to recite some slam poetry. 
let's end this episode. <laughs> I completely agree. So thank you, thank you, thank you everyone so much for tuning in to episode 23 of the Diamond Duo Podcast. Please tune in next week when you will hear Tom recite some slam poetry and we go over some more baseball. Please follow us on social media at Diamond Duo Pod on Twitter, the Diamond Duo Podcast on Instagram, I got it right this time, for more awesome content. Keep it tuned right here next week, folks. We will see you soon.